Welcome to The Red Podcast. My name is Ryan Trosel, founder and CEO of Run Every Day Co. Here at Red, our mission is simple. Create quality products for endurance athletes that we are proud of and build a brand that motivates you to get after it and chase your dreams both in endurance sports and in life. In this podcast, you'll be getting an inside look at what it takes to build a brand in the endurance sports industry, as well as listening to meaningful conversations with some of today's greatest minds. Enjoy the show. Well, thank you again, dude, for taking the time out of your day to join and being the first guest actually on the podcast. Yeah, that's what I thought. I figured I probably was. I was was wondering that. Yeah, I've I have some uh, other people lined up, but uh, you were the first to to make it onto the episode, so I'm really excited. Heck yeah, for dude, it that's sick. Uh, I just stumbled on your page on Instagram, and that's what's great, I guess, about this community is being able to to meet new people like super organically. Yeah, yeah, I love it. So, what I wanted to dive into to kind of lay the groundwork is just your personal story, and we can kind of go into how that got started into the fitness space but if you want to go ahead and take over and just kind of lay the groundwork on uh, who you are and where you're from yeah so uh, my name is logan Locke. i am born and raised in kentucky born in a small town called lewisport kentucky very small uh, population of people and then in 2014 moved to bowling green kentucky um, on the campus of western kentucky university I went there and was on the cheer team for four years. That's actually how I met my wife. So I cheered from 2014 to 18, finished my bachelor's, and then 18 to 20, I did my master's. So two-time graduate from WKU, go Tops. Um, <laughs> and then after college, I stayed to work in athletic marketing. Um, so I was assistant director of marketing um, for three years and then recently left there last May and now work for Spalding, uh, the basketball brand. I do product marketing for them. Um, but, you know, being in cheer, um, it's obviously a very competitive space. Um, so I've, I never wanted to lose that sense of competition or sports or, you know, anything of that sort. So once I graduated, I just kind of picked up running a little bit. And then once COVID hit, it really just kind of took over. So um, I've been involved in sports pretty much my whole life. But then the running it just kind of, I guess, in the last two years or so is kind of, you know, really taken over as my my number one and kind of turned that switch on and broke it. So that's where I'm at with that now. That's awesome. And is that what you majored in college or was it more, did you uh, go for like media marketing? I did. uh, So undergrad was sport management and facility and event management. And then uh, my master's was rec and admin with a focus in sport administration. Okay. So you knew from like, I guess, young age and that sports is kind of the place that you wanted to be in. Yeah, Absolutely. That's awesome. And it sounds similar that I think COVID kind of kicked off a lot of people's running career um, once all the gyms closed. Mm-hmm. So if you want to go into like, what was the the process of, you know, going from maybe running a few times a month to like, okay, I want to actually get good at this. Yeah. So um, my mother-in-law is actually a badass runner. Like she's done like the Tiffany's marathon. Like she's done a bunch, a couple Disney marathons. She's done a bunch of really good ones. And so she, I guess it was 2019. Um, she convinced me to sign up for a half marathon. The, there's a local one here, like the Bowling Green half marathon. And so I signed up for that. Me and her ran that. And I didn't really have a goal. I just wanted, I was thinking in my head, you know, I'll finish under two hours. I think I ended up running like a 154 or something like that. Um, so I did that. And then we, like, I think it was the next Monday, 
no, the race is on a Sunday. So the following day, I was like, let's do the full next year. Let's do the full next year. And she was like, okay. So we signed up for the full Bowling Green Marathon for 2020. Um, and then we signed up not long after that, a half marathon for Louisville, Kentucky Derby. So that like the transition into a considerable amount of running happened pretty much like right after my first half marathon. But um, at that point, I had been running like a pair of Nike Pegasus, like 36 probably had like 450 miles on them. And I was like, why am I hurting so bad? So the knowledge wasn't there yet. And then once COVID got here, um, pretty much like work for me, they'd said, we won't be back in the office until at least June or July of 2020. And at this point, this was March when they told Mm -hmm. us this. So um, I was like, well, I need to find something to do because my wife was, was working in the office still. So I guess it was around like March and April. I started running maybe 20, to 25 miles a week, like pretty standard for someone that's going to like run often, you know? And then, um, after that I was like, well, I, if I'm going to train and run more and I'm going to do this marathon still, if it's potentially going to be in person, I want to try and go sub three hours, which is big for like a first marathon goal with like no coach and no real running knowledge. Um, so I trained for like sub three, sub three. And then it was like, yeah, it's virtual. I was like, well, this kind of sucks, but whatever. So I guess it was June of 2020. I had made my fitness account and I was like, well, at least I can kind of like meet new people here, maybe pick some people's brains, whatever. So I feel like right around the time of like May and June of 2020 is whenever I was like, you know, I like this. This is a lot of fun. Like I could definitely see myself doing like 30, 40 mile weeks. And then it kind of progressed into that. And then once, you know, I started like meeting all these people on on Instagram, like connecting with people. I'm like, wow, there's like a whole community of this. And then I came across BPN and the people that are involved with them. It's just pretty much the same thing. Like everybody's so Mm like-minded. So then I was like, heck, like it fires me up to see other people like reaching for their goals. So I was like, I want to run more. Like I want to do more running and getting in the gym. So then right around the sub three attempt, which I I ended up missing that, I ran a 305.17. It was a virtual race. So I was like right there, but also not right there. Like five minutes is a long time in in the running world, you know, so that was your first marathon? Um, I guess long-winded answer, like June like June of 2020 through like November of 2020 is whenever I really started getting serious about it. And the 305, that was your first or second marathon? That was my first. That's ridiculous. Dang, yeah. Most yeah, so people it was in, chip away at that for like half a decade just to go from four hours and work their way down. Yeah, so it was, it was definitely very humbling and I've learned a lot since then, some things that I could have done better than I've spoke with people and now I have a coach. So, I mean, it's, it's crazy the amount of knowledge you can gather whenever you dive into something. Absolutely. And everyone in this community is like really willing to help each other. Um, Cause everyone, when you, I'm sure, you know, when you like go for a race, it's you against you. Like we're not all like competing against each other. So it's a great way to, to jump in and learn as much as possible. So I know I talked to you before and you said that in your younger years, um, you actually battled a little bit with the eating disorder. And I wanted to kind of dig into that and see, um, just hear that story and how that's translating into your look on fitness now. Yeah. So, and it's funny because I actually did a live podcast this morning with um, Ron Jesperson. He is called Real Talk with Ron Jesperson. Um, and this week is actually eating disorder awareness week. So mm. good timing on yeah, that. Um, so I was on a panel of people today and we got to talk about that, but yeah. So like I said, I cheered in college and it was like going into my senior year of, I guess, 2018, I had 
um, did an internship in a total different city where I knew nobody. So at that point I was a little, I was overweight. And so I was like, you know, I'm going to take this time and just focus on my health and like meet people. You know, I wasn't 21 yet, so I couldn't really go out or do anything. And so I went down there and it ended up just, you know, it was an unpaid internship. So I got the groceries I needed and then I would just go to the gym and then come back to my uh, long-term stay Airbnb. And then that's it. So essentially for those two months, I would just go to the gym, eating what I had accessible, what I thought was healthy food. Um, and so I did that, lost the weight in a healthy way. You know, I, I, at that point I hadn't developed any sort of disordered eating or anything. Then I come back 2018, the fall of 2018, my senior year, finished with cheer and everything, kept like my weight off. And then um, right after that, whenever I was done with cheer, and, like done with real sports and like activities, I was like, okay, this is, this is weird. And I think part of me like had this pressure to like not want to gain that weight back. And so there was, and, and there's never really was like a moment in my head where I was like, I need to like restrict myself because it was bulimia. I was like, there's, and never at any point was I like, I need, like, I want to binge and purge and I want to like acquire this. Like at, ne- at any point I never, you know, thought that to myself, it just kind of happened. And then over time, it becomes a compulsive behavior. And it's something you feel like you can't go throughout the day without doing kind of like, I mean, like an alcoholic, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, it's a compulsive behavior. And you feel like in order to be normal at, at a certain point, it develops to where you think you need to do it in order to feel normal. And so that went on from, I guess, 2018-ish until November of 2020. One day, I mean, it, like the one word I always say to describe an eating disorder in my experience is just exhausting. Like, it gets to a point where like you'll plan your day around like types of food you're eating. And like, if you're going to, if you know, you're going to eat something bad, what you consider a bad food, like you plan your day around it. And it, you know, gets to the point where when you try to not do it anymore, but nobody knows, it's like, well, no, nobody knows. That's okay. I'll just fall back into that cycle again. And so for me, finally, I was like, I need to talk to somebody. I need to tell somebody. So I came home from work one day, one day and just like broke down to my, my wife, fiance at the time, now wife. And just like told her and she had no idea. And she was like, that's, it's okay. Like that's, I'm glad you told me now let's just do what we got to do to get you on track. And so really for me, it was just kind of one of those things. I was like, I'm sick and tired of fighting this thing and doing this. And so thankfully I'm not, everybody is able to, but I was able to do it all myself and like recover myself and like sought out mental health or mental health therapy and other resources with the national eating disorders association. So I use a lot of resources, but I was able to do it on my own and not have to go to like a treatment facility or anything like that. Um, but now, you know, it wasn't like, okay, like I'm good. It wasn't overnight, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's been over a year at this point since I've been in recovery and I feel like I'm finally in a place where I can go day to day and not worry about, oh God, like I might eat bad tonight or eat bad, you know, like I don't really look at food anymore as like good or bad food. I try to look at as food as food as fuel. And if there's something I want to have, then I'm going to have that. I'm not going to like change dinner plans or not go out to dinner with a friend who I haven't seen in a while due to, I might not be able to find something on the menu or, you know, Mm -hmm. things like that. So, and I think, you know, and I touched on it today in the podcast, other podcasts I was on was like, at what point do you feel like, you know, the balance is tipping into associations with your eating disorder compared to fitness? Like at what point does your fitness leak into that eating disorder category and it starts affecting you in that way. And, and, you know, it's, at first it was hard because it's, I started overanalyzing. I'm like, well, am I replacing 
like the want and need to go and run and be active, like with the compulsive behavior of my eating disorder, or do I enjoy it? So it took time to like get to that point to be like, okay, I'm, I like to run. Like that's why I'm running. And I like to work out because that makes me feel good. I'm not doing it to counteract for food that I've eaten or because I'm not actively associated with my eating disorder anymore. Like for me, I finally found that balance where I run because I'm passionate about it. I love the way it makes me feel. And I love the community that you're involved with. Now, obviously everybody's journey is different. There's people that, you know, it's been years and they still, they just, they feel almost scared to really jump into fitness, which is totally understandable and totally okay. So that's why for me being where I'm at in my journey, I try to be a resource for other people now so they can ask questions and they can understand like there's an end to this. You just have to, you know, find what makes you happy and not be scared to try to try things that might make you feel a little bit uncomfortable. You know, it's, you just have to find your balance and everybody's is different. Yeah. And I feel like for some people, it is definitely possible that they just replace one issue with another. And that happens to be fitness. And because fitness gives, when you're consistent with it, gives the illusion of being healthy or looking healthy and not mm -hmm. actually um, understanding what's mentally going on. And I think it's interesting how you said that, you never thought to yourself, like, this is something I want to be doing. Like, I want to, um, like, wrap my whole day around food. It just kind of over time happens. And I think a lot of people think of an eating disorder as something extremely drastic and not something that kind of just sneaks up on you over time. And that that's really interesting to, I, I feel like a lot of people might have gone through something and it never dawned on them until way down the road. So it's good that, um, thankfully, it didn't consume more and more years of your life and so with now being more consistent and understanding okay running is something you enjoy and is not just replacing an itch what is your outlook on food in conjunction with training because obviously you're burning a whole lot more calories than the average person yeah i mean at this point it's like you look i look at food as a very broad way of putting it is fuel. And so, you know, it's like, I know that when I wake up in the morning in order to, for me, and this is for myself, you know, in order for me to wake up in the morning and like get a kickstart to my day, like I, I want to have like a coffee and some mornings, like I want to grab like pop tarts or something, you know, something quick on the go. Like that makes me feel good. Like it, it tastes good. I feel like I feel the best after I do that, like my little routine. And then, you know, for lunch, I just find I've found something that I like to do for lunch. And so I, I base food based off when it comes to day to day, like a work, like a standard work day, the food that I consume is based off of, it makes me feel good. Like I feel comfortable, like it digests well, you know, I, like it doesn't make me feel like shit, you know, like I feel like I can keep going throughout the day and it makes my body feel like it's fueled. And then all, obviously there's times where like, oh, this, this just sounds good, you know, so I want to, mm -hmm. I want to indulge in something and then I'll do that. So I don't really look at it as, I try not to look at food as, good food or bad food. I try to just look at it as this is what works good in my body. It tastes good. And like, I guess you could say I, I am, I try to be aware of what I'm putting in my body. Like I don't just only eat like bags of chips or like, <laughs> you know, like all that types of stuff, but like, I'm, I'm not going to really restrict myself in any way. Like if there's something that sounds good one night, one day, then, then I'll do that. But from a broad perspective, one word I would just say, I look at it as fuel. Like I, I know that I need it in order to perform and feel the way that I want to feel. And that's a good way to put it. Cause as, um, as well as being a formal, uh, former fat kid in school, 
um, I had the problem of being like, this food's good, this food's bad. And when you just look at it as fuel and, and really look on how foods make you feel. And I just made a YouTube video talking about how I, um, I had a weight loss journey last year of losing 50 pounds because of running it. Whenever you really look of like, how does this food make me feel? It is a total game changer. It's just like a, like a fuel for a car. If you're always loading your Honda Accord with diesel, it's going to break down, you know? But if you're giving it the yeah. like premium unleaded, the, the gas it's supposed to take, it's going to run great for years and years to come. And I'm sure with you agree with uh, putting so many miles on your body when you're not eating the foods that make you feel good, you definitely feel it a lot faster. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I want to talk about now what your personal fitness goals are. So you like we've seen that you've worked your way into becoming a healthy athlete. So now what's your next uh, phase in life and what are you looking at in the future? Yeah, so after um, my marathon last weekend, I've kind of transitioned into are going to dip my toes in the ultra space. So I have a 50 mile race, April 2nd, it's rim runner ultra. It's in Sewanee, Tennessee. Um, and so this will be my first distance over 31 miles. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm really excited for that because you know, I've, what I've found about about myself the last year or so is that I really like to push my limits and see where I can go mentally and physically mm -hmm. and knowing that I can take myself, I've, what I've referred to it as like a lot of people have is my pain cave. If I know that I can carve out my own pain cave and take myself there, then there's nothing else that really can stop me besides exactly. injuries, obviously. Yeah. But, you know, exactly. I love uh, this. So saying, for me, it's just like seeing where I can take myself. I love the saying that if you make a friend with pain, you'll never be alone. Because I like all runners oh, understand yeah. it. Yeah, you like you go there consistently and then it just gets easier and easier every time. So you've ran so far then the half marathon, full marathon and a 50K then? Before? Yeah, those are the distances that I've ran. Yeah. Okay, so this is a, I mean, a fifty k is like even to me is still extremely impressive. A fifty miler is like a whole other beast in itself. Yeah. So that's yeah. The goal right now is, and like I said, my coach she lives in Colorado and she's she's run Leadville one hundred. Like mm -hmm. she's a very seasoned, awesome ultra runner and marathon distance and pretty much every distance. So um, I'm really excited to be working with her and she's kind of she's just a really good resource for me to have in like questions I may have and proper training and proper fueling in my body leading into the 50 mile or so. I mean, it's definitely going to be something of its own, but it's, it, I think it's going to be hard because when you're training for a race, when you're training for a marathon, a lot of times your longest distance is on average, I'd say 19 or 20 mile runs. Right. And so when you look at a 50 miler, it's like your, your runs are going to increase by 10 to 20 more miles, your long runs. And, race days are awesome, but it's also, it's hard when you have, when you have multiple, multiple long days worth of miles stacking up in just a normal day of training. And so mm -hmm. I'm anxious to see how I handle that mentally and physically, um, leading into the 50 miler. Like, you know, I know when I get to race day and when I finish the race, I'll, I'll tell myself that was all worth it, but it's totally different from marathon prep, right? Like yeah. the distances are pretty much they're doubled, right? So you're looking at, tens to 15 more miles on your long run days. Um, so I'm anxious to see how that is going to go. And what is your outlook on, on training or, and trying to balance training and obviously your normal everyday life and being a husband, uh, what, what's your kind of mindset going into 
the the training aspect i feel like is more than the actual race the race is just a blip in the whole journey yeah for sure um that's one thing that i've definitely had to learn i mean we just got married last june so um and she's very very supportive of me um but i do realize that there's certain moments where i need to be adaptive with my training with my runs um and that's part of i felt i've become a better athlete whenever i learn how to coach myself and whenever I know the days that, okay, you know, my, my body really isn't feeling the best, I'll just go and do the Stairmaster for a little bit just to keep my body in rhythm and keep moving. I know that maybe like a fartlek workout isn't going to, I'm not going to feel the best today. It's not going to really be, be helpful. So from terms of like training, that's how I'm thinking. But then when it comes to balancing like family life, I, I try to get up in the mornings and run. When it's a little bit warmer, I try to do the mornings. Um, and then I've been doing a lot on my lunch break right now at work. I'm really close to the gym that I go to. Uh, so sometimes I'll go on the treadmill and then sometimes I'll take off from the work parking lot and just run for 45 minutes and then come back. Um, just because right now the miles have been pretty down with my last marathon taper and then um, the slow transition into my ultra marathon prep. So I try to, as best as I can, to be aware of balancing quality time with my family and being a good employee and being the athlete that I want to be. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and it, everyone listening to this needs to go follow you on Strava because it's so awesome seeing the lunchtime stair climber workouts for 45 minutes. I couldn't even imagine. Yeah. So is this going to be a, um, it must be like a more of a trail run race then as well as this, uh, with some elevation. So is this going to be new for you or was your 50 K also, uh, a trail run? No. So my 50 K was actually, um, I did MS run the U S which was a relay across the country for multiple sclerosis. So that was just a quick brief of that was there were 19 of us runners and each of us covered a portion of the country. And my portion was across Indiana and Ohio. And I ran, it was uh, 141 miles in five days. So if you broke it down, it was 28 miles a day for five days, but you can bank miles. So there was like two of the days that I did 31 miles so then my last day was a lesser amount of mileage, but that was all on road. Okay. So that wasn't an actual race. That was uh, like a organized, like relay across yeah. an actual relay across the country. Um, but yeah, the 50 miler is on trail. So it's, it's a little more technical mm -hmm. than what I'm used to, but we have, a, I'm pretty close to like Lost River Cave and Mammoth Cave where I'm at. So we have a good amount of trail systems around here to train on. But I think the 50 miler has like 4,800 feet of gain. So nothing... <laughs> crazy for across 50 miles but definitely you know it's going to be challenging compared to what i'm used to um, but yeah it's a little technical terrain yeah absolutely and i i think that also though for longer distance races like that keeps it interesting mentally uh just because even for like the marathon distance just pounding the pavement for that long your your brain starts to wander and you get a little bit bored mentally but that's going to be a super interesting race to tackle so talking about your running you just completed the go one more marathon, which for everyone who doesn't know who, what the go one more marathon is somehow, um, that is BPN and Nick bears, uh, organized marathon that there was only 200 people that were able to snag some tickets for that. It looked like an awesome event, real personal. So I just want you to kind of, uh, tell the story and let us like relive that with you of that experience. Yeah, dude, I wish I could relive it. It was legendary. That's what I keep telling everybody. Like, it was it was legendary. It was life changing. It really was. Um, we got so the race was on Saturday, January 29th. We flew into Austin, Texas, 
Thursday night, my wife and I did, and this was her first real experience at getting to see me run a race. Like when I did my virtual race, she was my crew. So it was like, she didn't really get to take it in and like see the excitement build up. Like she was like making sure that she had everything she needed to support me. Whereas this, she was really able to sit back and like watch me go and like get ready for this race and like run this race and see my like, enjoyment that I get from it. So that was really cool. Like that was just really special for her and I to experience, but we flew down Thursday night. We stayed there Thursday night and then Friday was packet pickup. And that was really special because we packet pickup was at the BPN headquarters. So we went there and it was from like three to seven o'clock. They had like a taco truck. We got like free tacos. We did a tour of the gym. We met Nick bear. Like I had like a five minute conversation with them and he's like, it's just, it's so crazy to meet someone that you only see through a camera, but at the same time, it's like, you know, as much as they share about their life, mm -hmm. you know? So it's like, I know you sort of, but we, we're just now meeting. So, yeah. he, I mean, he's seriously like such a genuine, humble, like badass guy, you know, like he will sit and have a conversation with you. He'll let you talk and ask questions. He does not feel like you're ru like rushing you. Um, so that in itself right there made the whole trip. And then, touring the headquarter gym that was really neat too like you got to see everything that they've built and they've put into there and then meeting a bunch of the vpn team and then just meeting everyone that i've connected with on social media and actually getting to meet them in person was also really really special for that day and then got to do a shakeout room with some like a couple of guys that i've like probably three of the closest guys that i've been with on social media like we all met up in person like did a shakeout run we like it's like we hadn't missed a beat like we've been friends in person for our whole lives, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and then, so Saturday morning, we all met at BP and HQ at like five 30. And then they shuttled us to, um, a little ranch in Texas. And it's where Nick did his sub three marathon. I think the course was just the, the starting line for him last year. Like it was flipped. The course was flipped like end to end. So it was the exact same though. So it was, it was beautiful. Of course, it's like flat, like, or open like ranch and then there's I think there was like 800 feet of elevation or elevation gain like throughout the whole race so it wasn't anything bad but it starts on like dirt road so you're running like the first mile and a half mile on like dirt road on this ranch in Texas it's like you feel like you're in Yellowstone like you feel like you're in a movie or something you know so it's like we're running I look to my right there's like legit ranchers and cowboys like fixing their barbed wire fence like 10-15 yards from me and I'm like Hey, how you guys doing? Like, how you doing? I'm like, this is crazy. So it's, I mean, it's beautiful. It's sunny. And so we're running and it's out. So it was six and a half miles out and then uh, six and a half miles back. So if you're doing the half, it's out back and then the full was out back, out back. So it was a little, like, it was good because I knew the course. So the first, the first out and back, I was pretty conservative because I was like wanting to learn the course and I want to make sure that I'm able to finish strong. And it paid off because in the second half, I knew the course and what it consisted of. So I was able to send it a little bit. Um, but when I got to mile, I made the first turnaround at like mile 14. As I was coming back, I felt good. I was like, I know that in a couple miles, I'm just going to send it. So at like mile 15 and a half, I probably knocked out, shaved off like 20 or 30 seconds off of each mile for until like mile 21, pretty much. And then I made the turnaround at like mile 20 or 21, whatever. And it was like 15 miles an hour headwinds, just like smacked all the runners in our face and we were like oh shit dude so like coming back it's like flat 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 headwinds and then the last climb to get to the finish line is a steady gradual probably 150 feet of gain like just getting back to the finish line like maybe 100 150 feet of gain and so it's really it's not that bad 
but like the, per- the perception of being in that moment, like the headwinds, you have 22 miles on your legs already. And then, and then you're, you're climbing. It's like, this is hard. It was really hard. But like when you finish, you cross the finish line and Nick bear, like put a medal over every single finisher and hugged them, like embraced every single person. So that was like a really, really special moment. Just like getting to share that. And like, he showed like he genuinely cared and was glad that every single runner was there and like crossed the finish line. So, I mean, it was, yeah, I mean, it was a legendary weekend and a legendary race and it like draws you even more into this community that you're already like this with. And they just, it brings you in like even more, you know? That's awesome. Yeah. And just even from online, it looked like just a really intentional event with how they ran it and made sure every single person uh, felt included and like, I feel like for only 200 people being invited, that's probably like the, the smallest, uh, like more room to yourself on, on the, the streets there. That must've been awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely was. And it, it's, you know, it, it definitely felt small, but big, you know, it felt small because we knew it was a small pool of people, but then at the same time with the course being like out back twice, it was cool to like pass the guys that were going for sub three or people going for PRs, you know, they're like, flying past everybody like the winner ran like a 244 like he was cooking <laughs> yeah and then i think the next next person was like 245 um so there were some fast people there but yeah it was it was you got the best of both worlds yeah for sure i mean all of jeff cunningham's trainees i'm sure were uh pushing those first second uh spots yeah i i hope to uh i, I used to live in texas i just moved um so oh I, really yeah I, I lived in dallas so we would, okay. I mean, three hour drive. So we would kind of just hang out in Austin because it had, I mean, really great food. I'm sure you had some while you were there. Oh, yeah. It, it's, I, I mean, it's a fit, like I think of fitness when I think of Austin, but I could put on some pounds in, uh, in Austin. Oh yeah. There's, I mean, there were so many, and like, it's funny because on our race check-in, like our gritty bag, they had like an envelope of like a, like a little poem they put together for like all the runners to like read before the night before the race. And then the other sheet was like recommendations for breakfast and coffee, lunch and dinner. And there was like six things on each. Like they didn't have spectators at the actual race. My wife went to like one of the coffee shops. She was like, it was so cool. Like it was nice. Yeah. And then we went um, to lunch the night before, the day before the race at like one of the recommendations. Like it's all, yeah, it's all good food around there, man. Yeah. Did you have street tacos though? So we had Taco Brown was the truck that came. Oh, so dope. that's. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. So we had, and it was called like the Go One More Taco. It was like skirt steak, pineapple pico, cheese, salsa. Like it was, dude, unmatched. Yeah, it was I'm, so good. I'm starving right now because that's that's what Austin's known for is like the food trucks mm. and the Mexican food is just out of this world. I hope they throw. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that it's going to be a yearly thing now, but I would, it would be think dope so. I, I think if they ever if they ever want to get any bigger, they're going to have to definitely move locations. But yeah. um, to have like a full twenty six point two course, yeah, I, I, they they not, I don't think anybody ever really asked them about it, or I didn't hear a conversation about what their plan was going forward. But I mean, I would definitely love to do it again. But it did feel good to be like one of the inaugural public people <laughs> yeah. to be there, though. You know, it was really cool to see it all raw. Yeah. Well, knowing. Uh, the whole team it's just going to keep getting bigger and better over the years mm-hmm. i'm still going i'm running the irving texas marathon which irving is uh like a small town near dallas okay and it's a uh, da- dallas is a little north of austin is that right uh, yes yeah, so there's okay. i lived in the middle of fort worth in dallas so like the dfw airport mm-hmm. is the dallas fort worth airport 
So I'll be, yeah, I'll be driving back up there and it's a real, it's in like the city. So it's very flat. It's a, and it's a Boston qualifier. So I'm sure that like, if you just want to get like a, a free pass to qualify for Boston, it would be the course to do it. I've heard that about Chicago too. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't, I didn't realize that, but this weekend we're like, yeah, people, I guess that's, yeah, that's a good point. I guess that's right. But yeah. Um, you say you're doing 26.2 there. Yes. So I've done a handful of halves so far. So this is your first full. Yeah. And okay. So like I, both, uh, official like online and just running half marathons, I've done like four or five. So I felt like, okay, the half marathon, like I don't have to really think about anymore. So I was like, okay, I could the next step is doing the full marathon. So I'm about at the halfway point of training. I'm doing Nick Bear's going more okay. marathon. And that's been a great, uh, just, it's very heart rate driven. So I picked up yeah. the, the chest strap to link to my Garmin just to get really accurate with that. But now, because yeah. I'm always like next thing type person. So as soon as I'm done with this marathon, I'm going to jump into half Ironman training nice so i think just uh i like the idea of trying to master three different sports and all the techniques i applaud you for that yeah (laughs) well i i live by the beach so i was like okay i get i can get some open water swim time and i i most people might like i mean uh if it wasn't for that lake that nick could train in a lot of people don't get the opportunity to or that's, that's open water, but like with waves and stuff, yeah. like if I, I would do Panama city since that's just right up the panhandle. Oh yeah. Yeah. My buddy just did his first half Ironman and he, he actually just, so his brother, you probably, I don't know if you heard of his brother. He's kind of like a small name, like Olympic trial athlete is in Jacob Thompson. He lives in Flagstaff. And, um, so my friend, Josh, he like, he's, you actually need to follow him. He's a badass, like creative guy. He, um, did my wife and I's wedding, like did amazing. And then him and I would run together a lot and he's like built like a, like a pro runner or like a pro tri like triathlete. Like he's like tall and lanky, but like cut. Um, he did his first half Ironman and, um, he didn't like train any open water and he got there. He said like, he had a, like a slight panic attack when he first got in open water, like in his suit. Um, and he was like, he said, I trained in my suit in the pool. He was like, but it's just not the same. Mm-hmm. But he, like, he said there, I think there was a lot of things that he took away from it, like training and like nutrition and like stretching foam and like recovery. I think he like lacked a little bit, but mm-hmm. granted he was like also his final semester of college while he was training for it totally. and working full time. Like, yeah. Yeah. There was a lot, but yeah, dude, it's a beast of its own. What, what do you think is probably your, like your one area you would have to like improve in the most? Um, swimming for sure. Like I cannot drown and I surf. So I guess that's an advantage of like diving under the waves and stuff. Yeah. At least the water portion in general, that's Yeah. Like I, I don't, yeah, I won't panic in the water because I'm used to that part, but I'm not used to being in the water with 300 other swimmers booking it out as well. And then I also have a buddy here locally. The town above me is like a big cycling town. Where, and, where are you at again? You're in Georgia, is that right? No, I'm in Gulf Shores, Alabama. Oh, Bama. Okay, Bama, yeah, yeah. Alabama. So, yeah. like, I'm, most people don't even know Alabama has a beach, but uh, right yeah. next well, to Pensacola. So a lot of people go to Gulf Shores, like, around the area where I live. A lot of people will go. Yeah, I mean, it's not too far of a drive. Yeah, but, I think it's, um, like, eight hours from here, maybe. Like, it's not bad at all. Yeah, and, I mean, it's a nice beach. I mean, it's 
I drive like less than 30 minutes and I'm in Florida. But um, oh, wow. so the town above me, which is Fairhope, Alabama, is big on cycling. And I have a buddy that um, he he competes at like a pro level. So he's done like the Leadville mountain bike race. And oh, wow. um, he's done like seven day road racing, um, like <laughs> cross state type stuff. So he has like a lot of knowledge to help me with the cycling part. And then obviously my lungs have built up from running. So it'll be like mm-hmm. the mechanics are a bit different on a bike, but I think swimming is something that for sure we'll have to completely learn from scratch. Like I know how to swim, but not like very efficiently. Yeah. Swimming will definitely be my, um, I have a bike. I have a, like a specialized. And so it, it's just like a road bike, but mm-hmm. I bought it like, right around the pandemic also because I was or right before, cause I was going to train for a half Ironman. And okay. then I kind of was just like, I don't really know what happened. It just kind of got me into running, like all running. So I haven't picked up my bike in probably seven months. Oh, wow. Do you think you would ever yeah. do an iron or, you know, I mean a, a triathlon in general? Yeah, I think I could see myself doing it, but I'm so caught up in like <laughs> the love for like, in, like endurance running right now. I, yeah there's like nothing else really even on my mind, but that, but I, I mean, I could see it though. Yeah. I mean, uh, right now. So like, obviously you're like currently training for the 50 miler. Do you have already like bigger picture in your head of what you want to like become in the future? Or do you kind of try to take it one race at a time? So I really, I thought that I did. I do know that I eventually want to do level 100, but like after doing the, that was my first 20, that was my first like, race since the half and after doing the marathon distance it really gave me an itch to like want to go sub three again so i don't know like after the 50 miler we'll see i mean all i know like right now i have the 50 miler april 2nd and then i plan on doing um there's a last man standing race in kentucky on october 30th it's called like the last soul standing um so i plan on doing that also with my friend kevin he actually won that event like three years ago or something he's a really good runner and he's like 42 maybe like he's He's a good runner. Dude, the, but, I feel um, like everyone knows right now, some of those awesome older dudes that are just like tougher than normal people. Like there's a, a triathlon oh, dude um, in the town next to me that like he lives on the water and will just like jump in to the bay and swim two miles and then like go for a 30 mile bike ride. And like that's his normal daily routine. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, when you when you do something, when you are stacking, 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 stacking towards one thing for a long time, it's like, it's you look at people and you're like wow but then it's like i mean if that's what you're doing like all the time your body begins to be like it's normal and then when you push a little more it's like okay Mm -hmm. like i can do that and you keep pushing 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 but yeah the swimming that by far be my weakest yeah weakest link but that's what's so awesome about all this stuff is i think often like i i when nick bear preaches is like or um jeff cunningham it's better to be consistently good or uh like great better be consistently good yeah occasionally great yeah Yeah. and if i just stick to what i'm doing which like to me is not a lot but i understand like most runners like this is what's normal now so like 40 to 50 miles a week is just not a lot but if i stack that for like 20 30 years how fit that version of me will be and that's why i think training for races is so addicting because i know i'm like i'm Yes, like I get the clout of being like, oh, I did a marathon or I did a half Ironman. 
but like also fitness wise, I'm turning into like a superhero over the course of 20 years, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Like what it'll do for you physically, like, and mentally, like it's nuts. Yeah. It just is like, keep stacking. And like you said, uh, digging into that pain cave. So now running up like a handful of events and you have a lot of experience with training for races and competing in them. What would be some advice that you would give people getting into running that have made the decision that they want to start taking it more serious? Yeah, I think it's just like listening to your body and learning as much about yourself as you can before you start comparing yourself to other people or trying to use someone else's training advice. Like I think, I think everyone's standard is to like download a Hal Higdon like 13.1 or 26.2 training plan or 5k, 10k, whatever it is you're going for. I did the same thing. Like my first race, I downloaded the free Hal Higdon half marathon training plan. And that's great. But I think you do that, but you also need to do as much, you know, research about running and like what other people say, and then, you know, try things out. But just let the, the biggest thing is like listen to your body and find something, find a shoe that works good for you. Find the type of clothing that works good for you just because it works for this person and this person doesn't mean that it might work for you. And the same thing with training. So, you know, people, there's a lot of people that are running like hundred to 150 mile training weeks. And then they're running alongside someone at a race who trained 50 to 60 miles a week. So it's all about your body and how your body best responds. So just take it slow and just be as adaptive as you can and listen to yourself. Cause it's, it's a long process, but whenever you finally get to a point where you're confident in giving advice and, confident in your training and your races you're going to look back and be like wow like that really seems like it was not that long ago that I'm that I was asking questions and wasn't really sure about what to do what to buy and how to train and now I'm here so just be patient with yourself and and listen to how your body responds yeah that's what's great about running is you're learning every single day like if it be training like learning physically or picking up new knowledge from people you meet on Instagram or watching the YouTube videos. Like you can really grow as an athlete every single day when it comes to really anything endurance. So, Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just using your resources as best as you can and just being an open book. That's all you can do. Yeah, exactly. And also for any new runners, just don't look at your pace. Like it doesn't <laughs> in the beginning, it doesn't matter. And like, even I, I don't think no. I know any runner who is like just super satisfied with their pace all the time. Like we're always growing, but it, it's not a status symbol or anything like that. Mm -mm. No, I agree. Because no matter what, if you look on Strava, there's someone faster than you. Even if you're like always <laughs> pushing five, always somebody miles. faster. Yeah. And, and that's always, there's always room for improvement there as well. And I, I that's what's so cool. I think about training for longer distance races is that it's not really it's not speed driven in the sense of like sprints but over the course of uh staying consistent of a long period of time you slowly and like start getting faster and faster without even trying like hammering in on that zone two training is like the best way to grow over a long period of time yeah for sure and that's one thing that um one good way it's hard and i understand like sometimes it's hard like well, what's my zone one, zone two, like what's my, you know, my threshold and all that. And one really good way I think to look at it too for anybody running is one thing my coach tells me is to keep your pace. When you think about running an easy pace, think about keeping it conversational. 
like if you're running with somebody, you you should be able to run alongside them and have a conversation and not feel like you're beat. And if you're running by yourself, just think about I'm running comfortably. I could sing a song that I'm listening to, or I can I can have a conversation with somebody right now. Like that's one really way to look at it. And I think that's a mistake that I made in my first sub three hour marathon attempt was I was so overtrained in terms of speed work. I was running like all my training runs were at least like a 705 pace, like almost every single one. And now looking back, I'm like, if I would have worked on my aerobic base and ran like a true easy amount of miles, like for me, I guess easy mile pace is typically anywhere from like eight, eight minutes to like 830. Like it varies. And sometimes it's more, it just depends on the time of the year, depends on what I'm training for. And just looking back and seeing that if I would have did my speed workouts, like twice a week or once or twice a week, whatever it is. And then truly trained in an aerobic base and stuck to that conversational zone two heart rate for 80 to 90% of my runs, like what the difference would have been, you know, but it's, I mean, again, that's part of like living and learning, but yeah, don't pay attention to the paces because you'll be competitive with yourself or compare yourself to other people, turn it where you just see your heart rate. And then that's all you see on your screen. That's really useful too. Yeah. Heart rate is just so crucial because it's, it's way cooler to hit a new pace and like surprise yourself than to be on the side of the road, like almost throwing up because you were pushing yourself that hard. And you almost feel like a superhero whenever you go for an easy run and you look at your pace afterwards and it's way better than when you started and you feel super comfortable. Yeah. You just have to, you gotta be patient, man. That's part of it. Like it, it's a slow build, but it's, it's worth it whenever you get to race day or whatever goal you're training for. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, now like talking about your, your race goals, um, if anyone who's following you on Instagram, which I hope everyone listening to this decides to do so, um, you're, you're starting to get out there and motivate others with your journey. And I just want to kind of talk about that for a little bit of uh, what your goals are in the, the fitness space other than the fitness. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I know we talked a little bit before, but I just got a new camera. And I think and what I've learned to realize, and like I said, after this weekend in, in Austin, Texas, it was really life-changing for me. And I realized that how many people you can connect with and how many people genuinely care about you and ask questions of, you know, they want your advice or they want to give you advice, like in a genuine way, it's like, man, like I want to go like all in on this, you know? So for me, it's like just making more content that people can relate to and not just going through the motions of like making a post or making a story. Like I want to be intentional of what I'm posting and like, if I were to see someone else post it, I want to be like, oh, like, that's really, like, that's cool. Or that's useful. Or, you know, like, the, like they got to go to Austin, Texas and like, they got to go to BPN. And, like they know this person, this person, like that's part of the experience and part of the journey of why people want to interact with you and want to get to know you as best as they can through like a platform. So for me, it's just starting to document more of my fitness journey, my day-to-day -day life and publishing that like on YouTube and, you know, just some more get to know me type of content, like on Instagram and uh, more content that people want, want to see and don't just want to be like, Oh, like here's a picture of, of Logan's legs after a run, like cool. And just keep going, you know, like uh, you, you want people to be able to feel like they understand you and, and know what your intentions are behind your training and behind your day-to-day -day decisions. So for me, it's just growing my audience and being more interactive and intentional with, the content that I'm posting on YouTube and social. And that's like the greatest type of content is 
to find others out there that are doing something similar to you, but might be a few steps ahead to be able to learn from them. And I'm sure like a lot of people, like what Nick Bear was doing, uh, we gained a lot of knowledge and motivation from. And it's easy to think like those people can be larger than life uh, characters, you know, but it, when it comes down to it, we're all normal people and we all have the same 24 hours in the day. And it's great to be able to share everyone's story because it's all unique. Well, dude, I'm really looking forward to seeing that content. You did a great video on uh, your Go One, Mar One More Marathon experience, and that was awesome to see since uh, uh, it's just like a Austin in general is like just a larger than life city. And it just like seems like the if there's a perfect marathon to run, it's that one. Like, I really hope they throw more in the future, but that was a great uh, video to see. So everyone who's listening to this, I'll put your social links in the show notes. So go check out Logan's Instagram, Strava, YouTube, all of that. Cool, man. Yeah. Well, dude, I want to thank you for joining the podcast and telling your story of uh, how you got into the fitness and your your uh, nutrition journey. And I hope a lot of people can get a lot of knowledge from that. And uh, I, I think the whole purpose of the this podcast is to help everyone grow individually both in fitness and in life so it was great to hear both of that those sides of your personality um, i just want to really thank you for for being the first guest dude it's it's an honor man i it's it's crazy how we were able to connect and now here we are sitting on your first guest of a podcast i'm extremely grateful for that so i'm excited to see where this podcast goes because it could be a great resource and just a fun conversation and dialogue to listen to for people so it was an honor, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, I do. Well, thanks for coming on.